Good morning. Uh, this week we are going to be talking uh, about financial giving this week and next. Uh, this is a season in the life of our church where we pause uh, to remember that we are called to be good financial stewards uh, of all that God has given us. Uh, and uh, we are reminded again that financial giving is an act of worship. And so every year we pause for a week or two uh, to talk about money and scripture. Um, and this is a very personal conversation that is between you and your God. Um, and um, when you read the Gospels, uh, one of the topics that Jesus talks about all the time, uh, one of the highest rated topics is money. So if Jesus in the Gospels talked about money, I think it is important for us to talk about money and how we view money. Uh, we as a church are functioning uh, because of the financial generosity of those who are present here. And for that, we are extremely grateful uh, as well. We are enriched uh, by the ministries of this church because of your generosity. And I want to say thank you. For those who don't call Mount Hope your home church, uh, I just don't want you to feel guilted into giving money to this church, but rather that you would hear and learn what the scriptures teach us about what it means to be a good steward. <clears throat> Will you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for all that we have is from you. For all the goodness uh, in our lives and for all the many blessings that you have poured on us. God, may we be grounded in the fact that all our financial resources are from you and you have blessed us. Allow us to live lives of gratitude. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. And the season of Thanksgiving is around the corner. Uh, and a lot of people at this time uh, enter what is called the planning phase, right? You start looking at recipes, you start pulling out your old recipe books and looking and thinking and dreaming as to what you would love to cook for your family and for your friends. I love cooking. I enjoy it dearly. Some think it's a chore, but it truly gives me pleasure to cook. And one of the things I like to do when I'm not doing anything is, has to have background noise is have a cooking show or a sports channel. So those is, that is where I live. Uh, so there was this, uh, so I love watching cooking shows and see what they're cooking. Every time they're cooking, I'm really intrigued. Uh, and I wonder if I can cook this. And I was going through my phone the other day uh, and I found this recipe that I typed in as I was watching the TV. So this is how it starts. Quarter something salt and brown sugar, pepper, sear with three tablespoons, three minutes on each side, that's three minutes, sauce, one large onion, gar six garlic, throw in onion, garlic, quarter cup apple cord, cinnamon, <laughs> cinnamon stick, <laughs> Six times, two bay, 275, two hours, two hours, 30 minutes, 190 temp. I don't know what that means. Rest for 30 minutes, tent. Lose the fat. I mean, you all need to. I mean, I need to. Uh, <laughs> drain first. <laughs> two gray bird apple, salt, pep, take pork. Oh, probably there's something to do with pork. 
uh, and fat and fry apples, brown them, two cups defeated, <laughs> two tables something, two tablespoons apple butter, one table cornstarch, one quarter vinegar. Uh, so yeah, that's the recipe that I have. And uh, I have no idea what this recipe is. <laughs> Any guesses? The only thing I can think of, it has something to do with pork and apples. But I've never had anything with pork and apples. Is there something with pork and apples? There, there could be. All right, you all know what it is. So, yeah, if you find this recipe, just don't use it. Just throw it away. <laughs> don't use it. If you don't, if you look at a recipe, right, like you're supposed to follow the instructions, right? You're supposed to follow the instructions. And when I read this, I was like wondering, am I the only one that came up with a crazy recipe that didn't come through? And I just simply Googled this, like, you know, failed recipes. And I saw a picture of a guy who baked a frozen pizza with the plastic cover on a plastic cutting board. The pizza looked great <laughs> because the, the wrap was all melted and like the oven was filled with this thing. So, and another guy baked uh, chicken fingers and uh, fries um, in a 400 degree oven for 45 minutes. It was just coals <laughs> at the end of it, right? Recipes are important and we're called to follow the directions. If you don't follow the directions, you're not going to get the end result. When the recipe calls for certain ingredients, you're supposed to use them. If, you, if the recipe calls for a cinnamon stick and you put cloves and say it's going to taste the same, trust me, it won't. <laughs> it is not going to taste the same. It is important for us to follow both the ingredients and the directions. Friends, this morning I believe Paul is giving us a recipe. And this is what Paul is calling us to do. Paul is telling us what it means to have a joyful life. Paul is writing his letter to the Philippians, and he's giving all the ingredients that are needed to have a joyful life. Paul begins a section by saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say to you, rejoice. We're called to rejoice in every situation, every single situation. In every circumstance, Paul is telling us, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say to you, rejoice. When I first read this, I didn't think that this recipe was right. Because it's not possible for us to rejoice in every situation. Life is hard. There are challenges that we face each day. And it's not easy to be in a state of complete joyfulness every minute of every day. And yet, joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit that we learn about in Galatians. And today, Paul is telling us, teaching us, how we can rejoice in the Lord. Are you willing to listen to the recipe that Paul puts forth? Despite all the challenges that life gives us, Paul is telling us, rejoice in the Lord always. And here's the recipe. Let your gentleness be evident. So many times our mood is controlled by others. I want you to pause and think about this for a minute. Think about this just past week. 
Think about someone who made you upset. Think about what they said to you or did something to you and you were upset. You were in a perfectly good mood. You were having a good day. Life was going well. And this person walked in and said something or did something and it ruined your beautiful day. This happens all the time. People say stuff. Usually that stuff is not good stuff. And it brings us down. Paul here is saying something a little different. Paul is saying to us, don't worry about how people treat you or how people bring you down. Because Paul is keenly aware how bad people treat us. See, Paul is writing these words, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say to you, rejoice. Paul is penning these words down from a prison cell. Paul is in a Roman prison for preaching the good news. Paul is being persecuted for telling the story of Jesus Christ. And Paul is telling us today. Paul is telling the church of Philippi and the church of Mount Hope, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say to you, rejoice. Here is the first ingredient in order for us to rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident to all. How are we treating others is a question that we need to consider. How are we treating those around us who are unkind to us, who say mean things, who do things to us. Let your gentleness be evident to all, not some. Let your gentleness be evident to all, not just to the people who are kind to you, but no, to all. We often find ourselves in this practice that we call stick for tack, right? You did this, and I'm going to do this to you. You made me mad. You ruined my day, and I will be mean back to you. And I will say something mean back to you and make sure that your day is ruined. Right? We live in that mindset, but here we are called to show gentleness to those around us. And Jesus is the greatest example of showing gentleness to those who are around us. Even in the midst of extreme challenging situations, Jesus showed gentleness. And we are called to imitate Jesus in how we treat others. No matter how we are being treated. That is the first ingredient for being rejoicing in the Lord always. The second ingredient is this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Here Paul is giving a, par a formula for us as to how we're called to pray. Here Paul is echoing the words of Jesus. See, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 talks about being anxious about tomorrow. He says, how many of you, by worrying about tomorrow, can add a single day to your life? And yet, we worry about our future. We are anxious about our future. In a recent study that was done in the United Kingdom, they were trying to do about how people were anxious and worried. And they did this survey all through the United Kingdom, and they found that 
37% of the women living in the United Kingdom were anxious about something. And 29% of all men showed high levels of anxiety. This is a significant part of the population that is anxious, that is just worried about the future. They're thinking about what future might hold for them, and they're anxious. Anxiety for some, in certain instances, can be crippling. And we would need uh, intervention from those in a medical profession or other professional. But here, there is a good majority of people living in the United Kingdom are anxious about tomorrow. See, if this research is, is based on this research, what I can absolutely say is those who are sitting here today, a good percentage of you are anxious about tomorrow, are worried about what tomorrow might bring for you. What are you anxious about? What about the future keeps you up at night? Maybe these anxious thoughts are robbing your joy. How can you rejoice when you are concerned about the future? And this morning, I believe God is speaking to your anxious heart. To your racing thoughts about what might be or what could be. Hear these words. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In every situation, go before God with thanksgiving. Whatever is making you anxious, whatever is keeping you up at night, go before God and name it. And say, God, I am anxious about this. I am anxious about this. Name it. Name it before God, but don't stop there because Paul is clearly giving us a formula here. Paul is going on to say, share your anxious thoughts with God in prayer, but also name all the blessings that God has given you. Give thanks for all the blessings that God has poured out for you. Friends, when we pause and when we give thanks to God, we start to recollect all the times that God has poured out his blessings on us. All the times when God has provided for us. All the times when God has rescued us. We look back. We look back and we give thanks. And when we do that, we are reminded of something more beautiful. We are reminded of the blessings that we will receive. When we do that, when we take our anxious thoughts before God, when we give thanks for all his blessings, here Paul is saying this is what your reward is going to be. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Friends, when we do this, when we do this, God's peace is going to guard our souls. Which transcends everything. You will be at peace when you do this. May you find God's peace this week 
if you are uncertain about what the future holds. The next ingredient that calls us about rejoicing in the Lord is when you cook, <clears throat> you would throw a bunch of stuff in, into the pot. My mom was a good cook. She never followed a res recipe. Um, and, I mean, she followed a recipe, but she never followed a piece of paper in front of her. Uh, I don't know if she just made things up, but they always tasted good. And when you asked her, Mom, how did you make that, prepare that dish? Her, most of the time, this is how she would talk back to us. She would say, you know, you take a little bit of cumin, you put a little bit of some, you put some mustard seeds in, you know, don't forget about turmeric. You know, that's really important. And then when you ask the next really obvious follow-up question, Mom, what do you mean by little bit of cumin, some mustard seeds, and don't forget turmeric. She goes, you know, a little bit of cumin, a little bit of mustard seeds, and some, and she actually puts her fingers like this, and some mustard seeds, right? And she just throws all these things in, and it tastes beautiful. That's how my mom cooked. And I think Paul is pretty much saying the same thing here. He's putting a bunch of stuff into the pot before the soup is done so that it can simmer for a while. And this is what he's doing. He's putting a bunch of stuff in here. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is adm admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Here the question for us to consider is, what is it that we are constantly consuming? What is it that we are constantly listening to? Are the things that, are that we are listening to praiseworthy? Are they putting somebody else down? Are the things that we are viewing pure or impure? Are we focusing on things that are lovely? Or do they promote hatred? What are you consuming and who are you imitating right now? What does your thought life consist of? Are those thoughts pure, praiseworthy, noble? Who are you imitating? Paul is challenging us to imitate him. Paul, as I said before, is writing these words from prison. Paul is showing love to the prison guards. He, in earlier in the book, he talks about how he loves those who have imprisoned him and how he's caring for the prison, uh, the prison guards. Who are we following? Who are we imitating? Friends, let me read this again, and I hope you see the blessing. When you throw all these things into the pot, there is a blessing that comes to you. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put them into practice. And here is the blessing, and the God of peace will be with you. Hear that blessing. The God of peace 
will be with you. When we focus on things of God, the God of peace will be in our hearts. There is nothing in this world that can rattle us or throw us off our game because the God of peace will be with us. And finally, Paul ends this whole recipe with one last ingredient or one last step. Paul ends with this for all of us to consider. It is the last section uh, that we read this morning. In this section, it's about generosity and living with contentment. First, Paul is thanking the church of Philippi for their generosity. This is a church, uh, the church of Philippi is some, some are the people in it supported Paul. When we read uh, verse 14 of chapter 4, this is what we read. It was, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, you as Philippians, known in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except only you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. See, this church supported the ministry of Paul. They supported him financially. Paul planted the church in Philippi when he had that call of the Macedonian man calling him in Acts chapter 16. Paul goes there and starts the ministry there in Philippi. And from there, Paul moves on to other places like Thessalonica and Greece. And this church followed him and they gave him. They financially blessed him. And the final ingredient that Paul talks about is contentment. Reading from verses 11. For I learned to live to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what is to be in need. I know what is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. And in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Here Paul is saying he knows what it means to have enough. He has learned to live with contentment no matter what his financial situation. This is one of the most difficult ingredients for us to add in our life because we always feel like we don't have enough money. The bigger question that I like to ask and wonder is what is enough? Is $10 enough? 25, 1,000, 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, a million dollars. What is enough? I mean, you say, if I have this, that is enough. When you reach that goal, is that enough or do you desire more? Is that another mountain that you want to achieve? One of the best ways that we can learn to live with contentment is to be generous. When we give a portion of what we have to God, you're acknowledging the most important fact. That is that we, all that we have is from God and we are giving back a token with gratitude back to God. When we are generous, we begin to live with contentment. Paul tells us that he has learned to live 
in scarcity and in plenty. When we give despite of our circumstances financially, we are learning to live with contentment. We are saying we have enough. We are able to give. Our fists sometimes get clenched, wondering if we have enough. Wondering how things are going to be. But when we give, we open our fists. And we give thanks to the God that has given all the many blessings to us. Friends, here are the ingredients to live a life to rejoice in the Lord always. I hope you can take these words and live into this recipe. I want to invite us, if you would just open your arms and put them on your uh, laps. I want to take a moment of silence and I would like us to say our unison prayer together. At this time, in the moment of silence, I want to invite us to think about all the blessings that God has given you. Let us pray together. Gracious God, who supplies us with every blessing in abundance, lift up our hearts in gratitude and thanksgiving. Open us to remember the gifts we seldom notice, the bounty we take for granted, the rich possibilities you provide, for bread without scarcity, for water that is pure, for houses to live in and friends to enjoy. We give you humble thanks. Amen.